Coming up on today's show, well, it happened again. Only two Big Ten teams are into the second weekend. We'll break down how and why it happened here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Our episode today is brought to you in part by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props. Just your skill versus the lineup you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. We'll have more on Stat Hero coming up in just a little bit here on the show. All right, we got a whole lot to get into today as a big, big weekend in the NCAA tournament, of course, brought big, big games in the Big Ten and a whole lot of losses, too, as only two of the nine Big Ten teams in the field of 68 make it out of the first weekend into the Sweet 16 after just one of nine last year. Is this a problem? We're going to get to that later on, but first got to get into all of these games, and let's dive right in. I want to start off on the positives. The two winners from the weekend and the two teams still playing in this tournament, the Michigan Wolverines and the Purdue Boilermakers. Michigan in the Sweet 16 yet again. That's five in a row for them as they are, again, Really, the team carrying this Big Ten, of course, was the lone Big Ten team last year in the Sweet 16 and beats Tennessee, a team that a lot of people really liked in the second round and moves on to the second weekend. Michigan just looked really good in this game. I mean, Tennessee was one of those teams coming in that we talked about, had the chip on its shoulder, thought it had been underseeded at a three seed, thought it could be going up to a two seed after winning the SEC. It was a team that was looking for a reason to be able to beat up on some teams through this first weekend. And Michigan just stopped them short. Or I shouldn't say that. Michigan, at first, did not stop them short at all. It was a very, very close game early. And, of course, it was a game in which Michigan was trailing at the start at halftime. But then the Wolverines come back, make that second half comeback. Hunter Dickinson's getting emotional. Of course, all sorts of drama going on between Tennessee and Michigan throughout this game. Wolverine shot 50% from the field. That's going to be good enough to win a lot of basketball games. Hunter Dickinson was a menace inside, 27 points for him, and his ability to bring a defense in, along with what they had from the outside as well, the Wolverines, really, really contributed to what this win was and how Michigan was able to come back from such that deficit at halftime. I'm just looking at the box score here now. Uh, Michigan ends up Caleb Houston does not score, which is something we'll talk to Isaiah Hole about. But Hunter Dickinson, 27. Eli Brooks, 23, including that huge one there at the end with the pretty-looking hook. Musa Diabate was doing what Musa Diabate does a lot of the time, but he was contributing well. 13 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks as well, making his presence known out there. Meanwhile, Tennessee shot just 2 of 18 from 3 to help them lose that lead. And again, the Volunteers fall, Michigan moves on. It reminded me of what I was watching in the Michigan State Duke game, which we'll get to in a little bit, except Michigan just won. Two teams who were playing well, really, if, if not playing well, just fighting with each other well. It was back and forth throughout here. There were times where teams took a little bit of a lead, but it was never 
out of reach for either side, or you never really felt like there was anything big for either team to do. I mean, Michigan was down five at halftime, but again, it had been close throughout. There was a point with about like eight, nine minutes left that Tennessee took itself a six-point lead, I believe it was. And that was where it was like, all right, Michigan's been fighting throughout this whole time. Now Tennessee seems to have stretched things a bit. What do the Wolverines do to respond? And in those final eight minutes, Tennessee scores a total of eight points. Michigan comes back on and from there wins this game, what ends up being by eight points, and just a complete swing in that final few minutes. is Again, as Jawan Howard said after the game, a really, really young team came together and fought and made this what it was. Again, one of the two Big Ten Sweet 16 teams. I think Michigan's a legit team here now. It's something where, again, we went into the tournament saying, all right, this team's going to be an 11 seed, but it's not playing like an 11 seed right now. It played its way into the tournament at the end, and a lot of what we thought about Michigan not being good was from the non-conference season when they were losing to teams left and right that they had no business losing to. All that still matters, but once you're in the tournament, of course, it's all about what happens on the court, and Michigan has been playing much better than an 11 seed. Obviously, they get into the second round here to play Tennessee, and then knocking off that three seed, I I feel like I was, I forgot for a minute that it was the 311 instead of the 36. That's, I guess, the best way to put it, really. I thought it felt like Michigan was playing on a much more level playing field than what it should have with the seeds, of course. And they move on to face what will be a very good Villanova team here this weekend instead of Ohio State, which would have been a whole lot of fun. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. I have much less to say about the Purdue win. Um, Purdue beats Texas yesterday night for I, what was it was the last game I watched of the night, but I was it end up I think it was actually the last game of the evening. But anywho, I wasn't thrilled with the Purdue performance. I think Purdue was a much better team than Texas than what it had out there on the court yesterday or what it put out on the court yesterday. Nobody did anything exceptionally well or had an exceptionally great game aside from Travion Williams. Zach Eady had some things he struggled with. Uh, Jaden Ivey was doing his Jaden Ivey things, but again, he, he didn't really take over in the way that you want your star player to start to take over. He did in the big spots, and he made some big, big shots Jaden Ivey did. No doubt about that. But as far as from the whole game, I'd be a little concerned just that, again, this is his time. This is the time where if you're Jaden Ivey right now, you're saying, hey, this is why I come here. This is why we come here in this tournament. So someone like me can go out and be the guy because he knows he's the guy now. It's been established throughout the season that Jaden Ivey is that guy. But at the end, he hits the big three. And obviously you value that more than anything. But for him to go out and have what was an 18 point night on his end, it was something where like, I'm just, I want him to take more than what was seven field goals, right? That, that's really what it is. Yes, I want him to do more. I, I guess it wasn't that he wasn't doing well. I want him to do more because he took shot seven shots. Uh, I mean, there were what? I'm making Travion Williams took 13. Eric Hunter Jr. took seven shots. Edie took six. I mean, I want Jaden Ivey taking more of those shots than what he did. As, aside from that, again, Purdue's going to need to play a little bit better, going to need to find someone to do a little bit more. Edie was... Okay, Ivy was good. Williams was good. You need more than two good players to continue to win in this tournament, though, and we'll see what ends up happening this weekend. I wasn't thrilled with the Purdue performance, but I think it's a testament to just how good that team is, really. 
just them saying, all right, we didn't have our best night here, and uh, we still put away a Texas team and scored 81 points in doing it. So that Purdue team, by the way, the favorite to win that region now after the mess that happened over the weekend there. So there's still a whole lot of hope for a Big Ten Final Four team, champion potentially, despite there not being that many Big Ten teams left. In a minute, we're going to talk about the uh, not-so-good part of the weekend. A lot of Big Ten teams lost. A lot of Big Ten teams did not look good doing it. We'll get into some of why that was, and then later on, talk about why it is that the Big Ten can't seem to get these teams into the second weekend over the last few years. We'll get into all that right here on Locked On Big Ten. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is giving you new ways to play March Madness. First weekend's done. Your bracket may very well already be busted. Many people's are. If that's the case, you're not done playing over at Stat Hero. It's fantasy, the new way they have single game pickums where you can put together daily fantasy lineups with your favorite college players. And then Stat Hero lets you choose which lineup you're playing against. So instead of other daily fantasy sites where you're playing up against thousands of other people, Stat Hero not only says it's you against the book or the lineup we put together, but you'll get to choose which lineup you go against. So you can look at other things and then say, all right, this is one that Stat Heroes put together. I'll put against a team. I'll put together a team to go up against that. And then it's one-on-one, yours against theirs. Whoever wins takes it all. That's what it is. It's really, really simple, a lot easier to understand and get to than really any other daily fantasy out there. And they've got all sorts of different ways to play too. So again, head over to stathero.com right now. Try out what they have to offer. It's that time of year again. It's built bar season, always on Locked On, really. But for March Madness, maybe you need a little extra energy to get you through watching all the games. You can head on over to Built.com, check out Built Bar, and try out one of their extensive list and ever-growing list of flavors as well. Built Bar has you covered with anything that you may need to make sure that you can get yourself through the day, whether it be the actual Built Bars, 15 grams of protein, less than 5 grams of net carbs and sugars, 100% dark chocolate in every bar with, again, all the flavors you could possibly want. They got the Built Puffs, little marshmallows that you can just pop right into your mouth, give you that same protein. Uh, of course, Built Bar Jello Shot things you can take. I always forget exactly what they want me to call them. Jello Shot definitely is not the technical term that they want me to use, but that's what I'm saying. But you know what I'm talking about. The little gel capsule you put into your mouth, chew it up and swallow it, gives you the protein. A little powder you put into the drinks. It's everything. Anything you can want with all the good stuff and none of the bad, a lot of Different places have that. None of them give you the kind of a taste that a Built Bar does. Head over to Built.com right now. Use the code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, let them know that we sent you as well. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. We talked about the winners. We got the positives out of the way. Now let's get into some of the ugly, ugly from over the weekend in the NCAA tournament in the Big Ten, and the ugliest of it was really, really bad. Uh, I'll start with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State falls to Villanova, and after the loss, Jay Stevens of Locked On Buckeyes, who we'll have on tomorrow's show, talked to us about exactly how Ohio State lost it. He put together a Locked On Now for all of you, and we'll play it for you here. Here's Jay on his thoughts on what happened as Ohio State season comes to an end. What is up, guys? My name is Jay Stevens, the host of Locked on Buckeyes, and this was not the time that any of us wanted the Buckeyes season to end. However, this is where their season 
comes to a close. The Buckeyes lose to Villanova in the second round of the tournament, 71-61. to Villanova had the better basketball players. Villanova had the better game plan. Villanova had the more disciplined team, and it showed all throughout this game. The Buckeyes were at one point down by 15 points. Got it within two late in the second half, but that was all they had in their comeback. Malachi Branham, the flourishing freshman, led all Buckeye scorers with 23 points. EJ Liddell followed that up with 17 points and six rebounds of his own. But when the Buckeyes needed a third scorer to have at least 10 points or more, they didn't have it. It's been a struggle of theirs all year long. Another struggle, injuries, unfortunately. It looked like Kyle Young went down with another concussion. I hope he is okay. The Buckeyes end this season with a 20-12 and 12 record. They have a lot of questions. They're going to have big shoes to fill as EJ Liddell goes to the NBA. What will Chris Holtman do to fix some of the issues this team has? We'll talk about that. This week on Locked on Buckeyes and all throughout the offseason, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Buckeyes on your favorite podcast listening app and YouTube. We're there every day as well. Yeah, I don't have much to add on top of what Jay said from this game. We'll talk to him again tomorrow more in depth about what the Buckeyes actually did out there. But uh, the biggest thing was just that they fell behind and they could never really get back, right? This game was pretty much back and forth all the way from the start. It was just that uh, Villanova jumped out to a 17-7 lead. So Buckeyes had to play pretty much consistently down 10 the whole way. And when Villanova is that good, as they always are, it's going to be tough for an Ohio State team to get anywhere other than from arm's length. It's just such a good and efficient thing the Wildcats are good at doing that is being able to hold you off. Buckeyes weren't able to come back. They had a run in the second half, never actually took the lead, got within two points, fair. But then it just, again, kind of fell apart, and the Buckeyes go down. We'll talk to Jay more about that game again tomorrow. Moving on to Michigan State. This was not a team that played badly. The Michigan State Spartans played very, very well. And this was the most exciting game if you were watching Big Ten games throughout the weekend. I think this was the most exciting game to watch. Obviously, the storylines are there. It's Duke, it's Michigan State. It's Coach K in his last season against Tom Izzo, one of the few coaches you could put up anywhere close to what Coach K is in college basketball. Two legends of the game, two former champions, and two guys who know each other. Obviously, even though they don't play in the same conference, have gotten to know each other very, very well. And they played like coaches who knew each other yesterday. These two teams played very even throughout the entire 40 minutes, except for maybe the last five. And that's just, I know what Matt Sheehan's going to be talking about when we talk to him next. It was a five-point lead for Michigan with five minutes left to play. And then it just all really fell apart. And I don't know what you put the blame on here. The Spartans took every single punch. So it's hard for you to be like, gosh, I really hate the performance, right? It was just those last few minutes. They took every punch except the last one. And it did really feel like, as we were going through it, like that was just Coach K putting in a last fight. And the players with him putting in this one last fight and effort that you can't really have unless you're in that kind of a situation. And you could see it in Coach K's face, too. As he was getting it in and it was finally over, 
you could see him. He looked back up to the stand, showed a lot of really good emotion, and obviously was pumped up on the court too in a way that you don't usually see out of someone winning a second-round game. But it felt like he kind of knew, like, dang, this might be over in 20 minutes. We're down five points with five minutes left to go. I, I could be done by this time in half an hour. That's uh, I, I, I obviously not what allows players to make shots, but it, it's something, and it matters. You give Michigan State credit because it was doing everything to keep up with Duke. Duke was running up and down the floor. Michigan State was right there with it. Michigan State was consistently doing things that up until Coach K was showing that joy at the end, he was really, really upset throughout that game. If you were someone who does not like Duke, watching this game for those 35 minutes was very, very enjoyable because Coach K was not happy for a lot of it with some of the stuff that Michigan State was able to do against the Blue Devils. But again, Duke's one of the best teams in the country. Just talent-wise, and obviously the seeding favors them too, but it's hard to beat them, and you can have a good game like what Michigan State did and just only play 35 minutes of it. It's really, really hard, and it's just, again, a testament to what this tournament is. You heard it throughout the weekend. It's why this is so different and what many people think the best time in American sports because you get this emotion every single game out of every single team that plays, and it's just... It's indescribable, indescribable. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful things in sports, again, that we get to go through here in these few weeks. And Michigan State just ended up on the short end of what is an outstanding story. Again, Coach K's final ride, the last dance of the Duke Blue Devils under him. And, and he, again, I think appreciated, maybe really for the first time, that this might be ending when he saw himself down five points with those five minutes left to go. Michigan State did that. They didn't win the game, but... I think they really did do that. All right, let's get into the ugly. Uh, Illinois was not good. It loses, obviously, in the second round as well to Houston and fell down big, made a comeback, but then fell down big again, couldn't come back and get up once more. It it was not a great showing, 34% from the field. Kofi Coburn was fine. And like we saw Hunter Dickinson do really well, Coburn did really well too. He just really didn't have any supporting cast Nobody else was in double-digit points aside from him. Uh, Just having a guy like Kofi Coburn does not work against good teams in this tournament. He'll he'll keep you in it, but only for so long until somebody else obviously has to help him out. I mean, it's not just Kofi Coburn. You can't have just one guy in this tournament usually for the most part. There have been, of course, those rare exceptions. But he didn't have the help there. Illinois didn't have a chance. And it ends up being one of the, what was it, three teams in the Big Ten who, in their losses, scored less than 55 points. That's the big takeaway. When you're looking at how bad these teams played, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, in their losses, in whatever it was, less than 55 points in the game. That's not an NCAA tournament issue. That's not some sort of opponent being too good issue. That's just your team didn't come out to play, man. And for the Big Ten Conference that had nine representatives, that was considered the deepest in all of college basketball, to have those kind of performances coming out of the teams in the conference, it's just unacceptable. Unacceptable. And uh, the most extreme of it was the Wisconsin Badgers, of course. 49 points for Wisconsin in the ugliest game of the weekend by far. The Badgers were 
being asked to take a trip to the Sweet 16. It was just, hey, go ahead, score 55 points, you're in. What do they do instead? 17 turnovers, 14 made field goals. Two of 22 from the three-point line. I mean, the bad shooting is one thing, but to have that kind of disorganization out of a Wisconsin team that had been the team that was the opposite of that. I mean, it's how they won the Big Ten regular season. That is mind-boggling that that team would come out and do that right then. I, I don't have an explanation for it. Again, it was the worst performance of the weekend by far. The ugliest game of the weekend on both sides. Easy. And I, I, I was left speechless by that one. After watching a long weekend of Big Ten teams not doing well, that was the icing on the cake. That game where it just seemed like, it seemed like every basket that was scored was worth about six points with how terrible everybody around was playing. I have no more words. I don't, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It was terrible, awful, awful, awful from the Badgers. Uh, those are your losers from over the weekend. Uh, of course, Rutgers and Indiana fall before to give us the other losers here. And again, Purdue and Michigan move on. So with two Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16 this season, that following one Big Ten team in the Sweet 16 last season, after getting nine teams into the tournament field in each of those years, why isn't the Big Ten able to find success in this tournament? Why is it that the Big Ten can't get teams out of this first weekend we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we wrap things up right here on Locked On Big Ten. Bet Online is the place to go for all of your sports betting needs. They've got new lines, odds, props for anything. Whether you want to bet on the champion of the NCAA tournament, go ahead and bet on next year's Super Bowl winner with all the moves that have been made in the NFL over the last couple of weeks. Baseball season starting up. It's going to be a prime time to bet right now, and Bet Online has you covered. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL corner Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life in every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's of course free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's the Locked On NFL Draft. All right, let's talk about why all this is happening with the Big Ten over the last couple of years and why this conference can't seem to win this tournament. Uh, I, as far as winning the whole thing, I yes, the Big Ten hasn't done it since 2000. I'm still on the that's coincidental and will happen train as far as that goes. Winning this game tournament, winning six games in a row, it's not easy. But as far as getting to the Sweet 16, that's not something the Big Ten should be struggling this much with. Two Sweet 16 teams this year after nine teams in the tournament. One last year after nine teams get into the tournament. Why is it that this team has, or this conference has struggled so much to get teams deep? I'd say Part of it's terrible play, and we already have gone over. There's been terrible play from, I have on my count, in their losses, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa. All five of those teams. When they lost, it was ugly. But on top of that, I do feel like this NCAA tournament does not lend itself kindly to a deep conference like the Big Ten. Let me explain. The Big Ten had, last season, less of an excuse for this. 
five teams out of the nine were top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. This year has been different. No Big Ten team higher than a three seed. We knew and were talking about that going in. But what does that mean for the teams that play well? Well, for instance, you have yourself a Rutgers team that makes the tournament, plays well enough to win in its first four game, but just ends up falling short. Notre Dame takes it to overtime, and all of a sudden the Scarlet Knights aren't even in the field of 64, the round of 64, I should say. Uh, Indiana played really well in its first game. But again, it had to play a play-in game. And then it gets into the round of 64, falls absolutely flat to St. Mary's after that. I don't need to go in further about the details there. What happens elsewhere, Michigan State, really good performance against Duke, fought with the Blue Devils, but it's a seven seed. So it has to play Duke in the second round, has to play last dance Coach K in the second round. While there's no excuse for the Big Ten teams losing here, right? And obviously these teams that we're talking about are teams that are obviously just happy to be in with Rutgers and Indiana. But looking at where that would have been, I mean, if Indiana's just a little bit higher, doesn't play in that first four game, maybe they get that good game in the round of 64 and then they're into the second round and who knows where they're at or who they're playing. If Rutgers is able to put that game into the round of 64, maybe they're into the second round and are playing on Saturday and Sunday with a chance to get another Sweet 16 team in. I'm trying to get to the point that The fact that the Big Ten has so many teams in this tournament means that some of them are going to have to get knocked down. And a really good Michigan State team ends up as a seven seed, having to play Duke in the second round. A good enough Rutgers and IU team end up in the play-in games. A Michigan team that has shown now that it's good enough to be in the Sweet 16, and is. It almost had to play three games to get there. The depth of this conference drags down the teams who are not in that top two or three slots. I mean, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, they're in places where, okay, yes, maybe you could have gotten a little bit higher with some better play, but you're still in those top four seeds, right? You're still expected to be the teams that get into the Sweet 16. I mean, Iowa, two against Richmond. The Big Ten champs, because they play in the Big Ten and got beat up in the regular season, Big Ten champs are a five seed, end up in that 12-5 matchup that's just devastating as you have to play against the best teams out of the one-bid conferences. It does not serve the Big Ten well to have to be dragged down by everybody else in the conference, if this makes sense. I'm saying, like, maybe if Michigan State's in the ACC, instead of a seven-seed, it's a four-seed, maybe. Three-seed, five-seed, whatever you want. The point is, this tournament is established to allow the best teams and the highest seeds to move on, And while the Big Ten had plenty of good teams, they only had three of them in those top four seeds that are even supposed to be in the Sweet 16 now anyway. If this is all chalk, if this whole tournament's chalk, the Big Ten still only has three Sweet 16 teams, right? That's what the NCAA tournament, at least according to the field that they put together, is saying. So when you look at it that way, Big Ten didn't underachieve all that much. But I think everyone who follows this conference knows that the teams that are making up this nine-team representation are better than their seeds, right? Like, Iowa had been better than a five-seed. Of course, Richmond beat them fair and square. Let's not discredit that. But Iowa had to play them, right? (laughs) They won the Big Ten. They had been hot. Teams get dragged down, whether it be one line or two, and I really do think that makes all the difference, not in winning the tournament, but in making it out of this first weekend. 
in being able to escape the weekend of the upsets. The Big Ten has been really, really hurt by being dragged down a couple of seeds throughout beating itself up in the regular season, all these teams just losing to each other and giving themselves losses for the committee to look at. It ends up bringing them down what it is, one seed line, two seed lines, and that could be all the difference between playing up against a team like Richmond, who put together a really good, really good uh, unit, or facing off against some sort of 14, 13, 15 seed, who, again, probably isn't going to put up the same kind of fight, you know? I don't know. It's just something I was thinking of as we were going through, like, what is this? It can't just be bad basketball because all the conferences have teams that just play bad basketball and just can't put together enough games. The Big Ten, I really think, more than any other conference, gets dragged down. Its team seeds get dragged down because they just keep beating up on each other in the regular season, and it's so deep that, I mean, an ACC with four tournament teams I think you can put any of those Big Ten teams. This is the, all right. Let's use the ACC, right? If the ACC is the example, I think if you put any of those nine Big Ten tournament teams in the ACC this season, they're going into the field with a higher seed than what they had. Any of them, any single one. That's just the way I feel. Because they had to beat up on each other, it brought the seeds down, and I'm, I'm, I'll stop ranting about it now. But that's basically the gist of what I'm saying: a combination of bad basketball, but also bad draws brought on by the Big Ten beating itself up is really, I think, what's contributing to at least these early round losses. I don't know why the team hasn't won it since 2000 in the Big Ten. But as far as this three Sweet 16 teams in the last two years out of 18 tournament-represented uh, tournament squads, that I think can be attributed a little bit to the fact that just the Big Ten gets a little bit of a worse draw because the depth provides more losses for those teams in the regular season. Uh, we may get more into it here and try to break apart what I'm thinking at some point later on, but until then, we're done here for today. Thanks again for listening into Locked On Big Ten. Jay Stevens is in tomorrow to talk about the Ohio State loss in particular, and we'll ask him about this stuff too. That's coming up tomorrow right here on Locked On Big Ten.